Good day, everyone. I am Matt Harrison, and you are listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Geary's out there. And this week, it was a return to home sweet home form for Malaga as we return to winning ways. After two losses on the road, we headed to La Rosaleda, where Malaga claimed a 1-0 win over Fuenlabrada. We look back over another strong Malaga home performance before looking ahead to our Friday night game at Valladolid. Joining us in the final part of this week's episode to talk about the game and to discuss some general Segunda football is Alex Fitzpatrick of the excellent Spanish Segunda show. Of course, we'll ask him, are Malaga still his very dark horses for promotion. We'll see if he's changed his view on that. But speaking of horses, before we go into this week's news, I'll introduce our very own Cast Stallions. Joining me as always is Chris Marquez. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing well. I had a, something strange happened today. Okay. And uh, well, it's quite funny, actually. I went grocery shopping with the little Javi and uh, my son, two-year-old. And when I was looking at some products, uh, he started to run away. So I tried to catch him, but I lost him for a while. And when I found him, he was screaming, fire, fire, there is a fire, there is a fire. Um, So he shocked basically everyone. Everybody got scared. I had to tell everyone that he was he he was well he was pretending <laughs> that there wasn't a real fire, including to the shop manager. Um, so yes, that that was my day today. Okay, and and then I'll introduce Alex Ashmore, and I'll start by asking Alex if you had any adventures in supermarkets today or not. I haven't, but I've got a few adventures in store that I booked yesterday, so I'm, I'm very excited for those. Oh, well, do you want to elaborate a little bit? So I'm going to Toronto this weekend no. and I'm to Baltimore for Thanksgiving in November. Oh, wow. They sound very exciting trips indeed. But not to watch MLS, right? I'm going to watch an NFL game in Baltimore. I did watch another oh, MLS cool. game the other day. Okay. Uh, met an Olympic gold medalist. What NFL game are you going to watch? Uh, Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not interested in NFL at all, but I think if I was over there, I would definitely try to go to a game or any or, or a basketball game or any of those just to experience the, the atmosphere. You should go and try and get tickets for the Super Bowl. Yeah, should, should I do a, a Vamos a la Super Bowl? Yes. And just talk to Americans about the Super Bowl and... Um, do they like Victoria beer? Well, we have people from the States listening to us every week, still, still, because I checked. Um, so help Alex get a Super Bowl ticket or something. Yes, definitely. Um, speaking of um, Victoria beer, just really quickly, before we get on to like real news around Malaga this week, because there's quite a lot to talk about on this week's podcast, it feels like. Um, did you see that photo of Victoria beer being sold out in China? No, but what I did hear was Matt talking about the Vamos a la Rosaleda podcast to everyone about asking about Victoria beer. So that's what I did. But in China? Yeah, there's a, I think in some random supermarket in China, there's like a whole, what do you call it, like shelf full of 
Victoria Beer, and it, I, I retweeted it yesterday. So if you go on my Twitter, you can see this. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Um, and Victoria's official Twitter account uh, retweeted it as well in excitement. So, so I was wondering after all those people I spoke to on Sunday. For those who haven't listened to the Vamos a la Rosaleda, go give it a listen. Um, it was a great episode. Yes, yeah, just I me, really loved it. It's just me. I think you can hear the beer in my voice talking to a, a former centre back of Rochdale, um, who was. It was actually really quite pretty famous when I googled him after, but um, yeah. Anyway, we'll get away from beer and Malaga at the moment. We'll go go back to um, a guy that used to have um, was very much a big deal in Malaga and has been on the back bench a little bit in the past year or so, not by choice. And that is Malaga's technically still owner, um, Sheikh Altani. Chris, we got invited to have a little sort of, I don't know what you call it, a sort of informal chat, and not a press conference with a select few other people, but sounded like quite a lot of people in the end. I know Alex, um, who is joining us later of the Segunda podcast, he um, he was there for a bit and his uh, co-host Liam stayed a bit longer. So Chris, you, you took part in this. Tell me what what sort of questions would be asking, what were being asked, and what was the vibe of this sort of Twitter Q and A? Well, um, I know why I entered because I wanted to have answers. That's for sure because I don't trust him uh, anymore. Actually, Chris, and just quickly before you um, you yes. sent us on the WhatsApp group the sort of questions you asked, and actually, I thought they were very good questions. Do you do you remember what they were and what he answered? Yes. Uh, my first question was if he felt responsible uh, for the people who got uh, fired from the club because of the financial situation. And strangely, uh, he responded no, okay. because I didn't fire those people. Um, that's AJ's fault. Yeah. You're the call administrator. AJ. That's AJ's fault. And uh, when the when I get the club back, I will hire them all again. Something like that. Okay. That's what he responded. Okay. I agree with you. That seemed a bit strange <clears throat> to me, but carry on. Yes. Um, the second question was... I don't remember, actually. Okay. Well, what, 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 what was, was the vibe? Was it sort of... Oh, what? the second question was... If he uh, owed money to the club, okay. and when he think he will pay the money back, if so, when he would pay the money back, and he said he answered to the question that he didn't owe the club any money, uh, that people stole from him, okay, and then he refers to Gnub or Gubben and. He said that they stole from him and that he doesn't owe the club any money. And the third question was, because I did three questions. Um, yes, why just not sell the club? It will be much easier for him. It would be better for the club. Uh, the fans don't like him. Um, and he said... I ask. I basically ask. Now all the fans. Now that all the fans are against you, and you are going to going to court, <clears throat> and you're on the point of losing the club, why not sell it? 
And he said, uh, the Malagistas, the don't know the real story. Once the real story comes out, they will all uh, trust me again. Okay. Yeah, okay, some yeah, interesting answers. And I will there. get the club back. Okay. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, none of those answers particularly surprised me. Um what was what was the sort of the, the main question I wanted to ask, I suppose, what was the mood of um this sort of informal Q and A thing? Because um, you know, in in a way, fair play to him for doing the three hours. Like, I think I, I'm not a fan at all. Of sort of why I didn't really want to do it, to be honest with you, because I'd feel a bit guilty. Well, not guilty. What's the word? If I'm in a stadium chanting Altani Vetiar, which I've done many times, I'd felt a bit cozying up to him. I didn't feel quite comfortable with. I, I'm not saying your questions, Chris, implies that it wasn't cozying up to him, which is good. I think um, it wasn't at all. Yeah, it sounded Nobody like. Asked- Cozy questions. No, good, good. That's why. That's what I was, um, but I was worried. Was cr- pretty I was wor- critical with him, and and they should be. And um, next time I am in the stadium, I will sing Altani Veteja again because I think he should go. Mm-hmm. I think he damaged the club uh, to a point where he put in jeopardy our uh, our club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. I'd rather see him gone than staying. But I also would like to ask questions uh, as a Malagista mm-hmm. and as a, as a member of the Giricos, because I think yeah. it's interesting what he has to say. So this was the way I can say now um, that me and Alex have tried everything to get him on the yeah. podcast or to do an interview with him. Um, we had contact with him and he said, you're welcome to Qatar. He did, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that was basically it. Yeah. Well, No, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's good the way you are going about it. This is where I suppose our issue is and um, I suppose it's good between the three of us we have slightly different views on this where where's the line between fandom and are we sort of a fanzine podcast and then journalism so i think it's i think those questions you asked were absolutely spot on actually chris i think they were three very good ones and for I, what... I think i think to be honest i think it's a it's a good mixture of what we do yeah yeah definitely we we, we don't have to choose if being a fans fanzine or a oh. fan fan i don't know what yeah or journalist we're just something in the middle yeah we, we are we have our own thing and that's that's pretty good. You you can go and do the um the serious serious journalism of speaking to our sort of controversial owner about um the running of the club, and I just go around La Rosaleda saying, "What do you think about yeah. Victoria?" <laughs> you're, yeah, you're... but that's fine because I think both are important. And and yeah. to be honest, asking uh, people about Victoria is way more important sure, than, I than talking to Altani. But yeah. Um, there is a bit of news, but I think this is quite important to talk about. So I'll just, um, Alex, I, I don't know if you actually joined this at all, but um, even if you didn't, from what you've heard, what did you, what did you make of this? Um, like what came out of this Altani chat? I mean, I think obviously, the, for a start, having the conversation, I think is a good thing. I think yeah. you know, it's obviously everyone in. In this case, everyone deserves to voice their opinion, uh, or the parties involved especially. And, you know, I think it's obviously a good opportunity for him to try and explain himself. 
but then obviously when you know from from the answers he's given obviously he still believes that he's not in the wrong um obviously i can't comment whether he is or not because i don't know the full truth um so i guess we will have to really wait and see until the truth comes out and whether that be from the judge or whether that be from him i'm not sure yeah. you know i'm not sure yeah what to believe at the moment to be honest yes there's going to be a lot there's a lot out there isn't there and it's a bit of a minefield um i have my views but um i think i've made those that probably quite obvious what mine are but, um, but I think we all share your views. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I no, of course not, Chris, Chris. Because I'm, I do. No, Chris. The, the only thing is that I think in a world uh, where you can't talk to your to somebody you don't trust or hmm. or the moment the conversation is not possible anymore, you live in a in a scary world. No, I was I did I wasn't implying that you disagreed with me there. So I, I thought, know. Um, just just with one last thing on it, um, the thing that got me, and I think, um, again, the lads mentioned it on the Spanish Segunda podcast last night, and it was the first thing that came to my mind, was, I mean, it was his birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. It seems a bizarre a way to spend your... birthday. Yeah, I was thinking, and in a way, you've got to sort of applaud him for doing that on his birthday. I can't think of, it'd be like, I was thinking about it, imagine if I annoyed a lot of the, my students and their parents, and I on my birthday, decided to have a parents' mm. evening where they could sort of say what they want to me. I was thinking, I wouldn't enjoy that. But yeah, You so know what surprised me most of all? Last that none of the, of, the bigger pre, of, of the big press uh, journalists did enter to ask any questions. Okay. They all didn't. Mm. Interesting. Okay. It was only from Sport Direct, it was only Kiko and me. Okay. Well, maybe we'll see. Uh, obviously, there's been a bit of radio silence with Altani over the past few months, or very little. So we'll see if, I don't know, there's more to come from him in the next few weeks. And we'll obviously talk about that when it happens. Um, let's just go to other bits of Maligan news then. Um, we recorded last Tuesday night. And then, so the, the podcast went out and then we woke up the next morning or by Late morning the next day, there was the horrible news that Luis Munoz had picked up an injury and it was a very bad one in training, which has ruled him out for seven to eight months. I'm sure any Malaga fan who's listening to this was probably aware of this news now, but we thought we'd better mention it. He's had surgery today in Madrid, I believe, and it sounds like it's, you know, it was successful at the moment. Obviously, it's a long way to go. Um I, I think I, I I don't think there's much really else to say apart from you know we all wish him to get well soon. I don't think we need to talk about what sort of impact this has on the squad and the team. I think the players have shown that from their reaction, like on the pitch on Sunday and social media posts, how important Luis Munoz is to the group. And obviously, I think the fans have shown that too. So um, I don't know if either of you have anything else you'd like to say about it that not been said yet or. We well, it? he was negotiating on a new contract, and um, true. I hope, and I think that they will do that. They will that the club will uh, go on with the negotiations and offer him a good contract because he totally deserves it. Definitely, yes. Um, obviously, he is a player that's come through our youth ranks. I thought it was worth mentioning because I, I saw 
um, you know, on Twitter somewhere. Um, Atletico Malagueno won two, oh, sorry, drew two all on the weekend. Uh, they had 10 men for a big chunk of that game and they came back from 2-1 down. But Haitam wasn't in the matchday squad for the senior team because he played here. Um, have either of you seen his goal? Uh, no, I didn't because I had a very busy Sunday. It was but very... normally I do try to watch Atletico Malagueno as well. Uh, have you seen it, Alex, yet? I haven't, no. Yeah, it's a very, very good free kick, but I, I'm debating if it is a free kick because the camera, it's on a camera phone and it's not very clear, but it was very good. And also I noticed, um, we haven't really talked about it much in this podcast, but the, the person who got the equaliser for Atletico Malagueno was uh, David La Rubia, which sort of sort of got under the radar. He slipped out of the squad a bit. Um, do we know any reason why? Is he just, just still, he, he's obviously a... I think he's still very, very young, isn't he? So maybe yes. it's just that. He has, been, he has been training with the first team okay. several times this season. But um, yeah, he, he plays with Atletico Malagueño, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, did you, on, did any of you see um, Malaga Femenino? Um, I didn't, but I believe they won again. They won again. And they they won uh four matches now in the in the in the in the competition and they're second with 12 points excellent stuff and that means um across our uh youth team our women's team and our men's team we've been undefeated this weekend and I, so there you go a nice malagista weekend for us all there and then uh, the last bit of news i got and then you know and feel free to jump in with any other business after this part uh we talked about the 80th birthday of La Rosaleda about a month ago now, and it was delayed because a mixture of the, there was bad weather due and sort of out of tribute to the fire that, you know, the fire that was going on around Malaga and the sort of tragic loss of life that came to a couple of firemen linked with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, they had the celebration last night instead. Again, we was recording on a Wednesday this week. Uh, Chris, I believe you watched some of it. Was, I watched it all. Uh, what was going and, on there? What was what was what made up the celebration? Um, well, they started talking. Anna and uh, Basti started talking about their stories about Malaga. <clears throat> there was some singing uh, of the Malaga genuine, uh, the super capable uh, Malaga team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of. I think I saw Salva and Duda were there. Yeah, uh, the ex-president Fernando Sanz was there. Yeah, I saw that. I saw a that was of, very cool. Yeah, I saw a few people on Twitter posting photos with Fernando Sanz, so that's cool. And um, from, from the Sambrana family um, was there oh, because cool. they're uh, the, the Kidman. Mm-hmm. Because four uh, generations of Kidman or three generations of Kidman have worked in the club. There's that family uh, that got famous last year because they live in La Rosaleda. Do yeah. you remember that? I do. That's a great story. Lives sort of in the um, the north stand, basically, isn't it? Sort of behind the north yes. stand. Yes. Yes, that was. And cool. um, the doctor was there with his father, who also worked for the club. So uh, they all get to talk. Um, Manolo Gaspar get to talk. Uh, Duda and, um, and our Ke- board member. And Kevin uh, was there, wasn't he? Kevin was also there. Yeah, that, that's the important uh, But thing. he didn't get to talk. <laughs> and our uh, board member was a board member for uh, 41 years, Francisco Martina Aguilar, mm-hmm. the one with the moustache. We like moustaches. 
Yeah, um, they all talked about Malaga. Uh, also the mayor, uh, people from the province, and a guy of the Junta de Andalusia. They all spoke about uh, about La Rosaleda and uh, Malaga Club de Football. And then we got to see uh, uh, Thomas Garcia, mm-hmm. who did a, yep. a, a wonderful uh, stand-up comedian part, where at the end he said to his girlfriend, where he took his daughter on the pitch, and she she's just a month or a few months old, and he was there at La Rosaleda. That was very beautiful. Uh, he did a uh, some stand-up comedy, some some stand-up comedy, and then we saw a big movie with uh, highlights of La Rosaleda. Every decade was in it, cool. and uh, a bit of homenaje, uh, how do you call it? Uh, a note to uh, to La Rosaleda. Oh, right, yeah. Homage. Yeah, homage, homage, where they give her uh, actual voice, and that was cool to watch. Oh, that was that's quite a cool idea. Oh, there you go. Well, very impressive. I, I, I have to be honest. Um, after that, uh, Fondo Sur came on the pitch, or not on the pitch, on the stands. I saw that on the other side of the stadium, and um, hmm. I left. I, I, I left some tears. Ah, oh, that's nice to hear. Oh, there you go. By um. Alex, you, you'll only be, how old will you be in 20 years for the 100th anniversary? About 25. So you can maybe, you can maybe represent us there then. We, we'll, how old will I be then for the 100th anniversary? I'll be in my 50s then. Oh, I can still go. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I've messaged to, uh, to the people we have contact with within the club of the press uh, that they did a wonderful job on our behalf because they really did. It was really impressive. It started off a bit boring, but it, it really got very cool. Excellent stuff. So um, well done to everyone participating in that last night and making it a success. And now let's move from success at our birthday party. Let's talk about success on the pitch this time. Let's talk about those three points against Fuenlabrada in the next section. It's good to be back home at La Rosaleda where Malaga continue to be brilliant. Malaga won, Fuenlabrada nil. Let's get straight into talking about this game. Having had two losses to talk about on the last two weeks of this podcast, it's good to have a win back. Let's go straight into it then. Starting 11 to begin with, I would say there was quite a few surprises here. Um, some we could sort of work out because of injuries and suspensions, etc., but uh, one or two maybe that were maybe caught us off guard. So we'll, we'll start with the midfield. We knew we didn't have Luis Munoz and we knew we didn't have Iscasi. So in came Gennaro and Ramon, which I think we sort of said it would be one of those playing. And then obviously Luis Munoz got injured. So I don't think there was too much a surprise that both played. Roberto kept his place in the 11. And perhaps we'll talk about him shortly. But Javi Jimenez came in for Kufre. Alex, um, let's start with Javi Jimenez first then. Um, was you surprised to see him come back in? And do you think Kufre has been off form to get dropped? I wouldn't say 
I wouldn't say he's been awfully off form, but I definitely think there has been some sort of, and I noticed it a little bit against Fuenlabrada, much less so than the previous two games. But defensively, I think our biggest weakness is on the flanks. So I don't know whether the, the manager has seen that and thought, I'm going to try and change things up, see what it does. And, you know, I think it, I think it's also uh, an important thing to to occasionally rotate the squad. You know, players and, and Kufre is a very important player for us this season. But yeah, I, I do I, I do agree with the decision. Actually, I think you know it's it's good to switch things up. And also, I did notice slight weakness in the flanks. I think that's been our weak, weakest point in defence. Yeah, I, I was I was happy to see having him in back. I don't think Kufre has done too much wrong, but equally, I agree with what you said, Alex. The flanks have been a little bit more vulnerable. And I think I think in the Almeria game he had a good one that when he hit the bar with the um, free kick. But otherwise, I, I think in that first game against Mirandes, Javi Jimenez, I think I said on here, if it wasn't for Kevin's sort of sparkling mm. debut, I would have picked him as uh, my man of the match. What about you, Chris? Javi Jimenez being back in the team. Um, there's two ways of looking to it. I think Kufre is a great player, and if on paper. Um, if you put, if you have both players on paper, Kufre is the better player. Uh, but I also don't didn't dislike Javi Jimenez against Mirandes, so I understand um, definitely after last uh, match Kufre played against Sporting Gijón that he chose for Javi Jimenez. But on paper, Kufre is the is probably the best player on the pitch. Okay. Let's um okay, that's interesting. Um maybe we'll talk a bit about Gennaro and Ramon as we sort of talk about um how this game unfolded. Let let's stick with Roberto though. Um obviously we've got a new striker, Seco, uh was on the bench again, did come on later. Was he happy to see Roberto in this start in the eleven, Alex? And any well, I basically I'll tell you my theory now and I'll I'll just throw it out there. I'm, I'm guessing it was done because Seco cannot play against Valladolid this week because um, what they call it, Clauser de Miedo, he's on loan from Valladolid, so he can't play. So I'm wondering if this was just an exercise to get Roberto firing and up to scratch. Um, do you think that might be why it was done? Yeah, I can see. I can see some. I think yeah, that could be very, very much one of the reasons why they've done it, and I think also maybe. You know, Roberto's shown signs of promise. I know he scored against Ibiza. But other than that, haven't seen much from him that says he deserves a starting point, a starting spot in the in the eleven. So I think that's probably, you know, if you look at all of the reasons, well, the few reasons that it could be, I think that the one you mentioned is probably the most likely. And um, Chris sort of delivered us a little bit of news before we started recording. He'd seen something on Twitter, which I hadn't seen this evening um, until he drew my attention to it, that if Roberto plays against Valladolid, which we're assuming he will, um, if he plays 45 minutes, he gets a pro contract. Chris, I believe you said. Yes, from next season on. OK, so um, so um, what, what are your views on Roberto in general? Because let, let's go into the game from here then. He probably should have got the lead for Malaga, shouldn't he? Yeah, I think he's a great player, uh, big talent. I don't think he's ready yet to be the striker of the first team. Definitely not, definitely not. But there is a lot of potential in the player. Uh, the reason why I think he started instead of Seku is very easy because when Seku came in, 
he didn't really look, look match fit to me. Okay. I don't think he's really match fit because I didn't get to see much of him. So I think they're bringing him easy. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a mix of the reason I said and probably Seko. You know, if he isn't going to play against Valladolid, what's the point in risking him in this game yeah. and give him another week to, you know, get his recovery up a little bit? And yeah, I think it's probably a mix of both. Um, and yeah, like you said, Roberto, I, I don't think he is fully, you know, I think he's good enough to play in this team. He's proven he scored a goal. He's contributed in games. But I suppose the good thing with Roberto is, if you think last season, he's probably sort of taken the place of Julio, who didn't really have much of an impact. And I think he's an improvement on Julio. And uh, he, he is a good striker yeah, and like he can him. play in the, in, in, in the first team, but he's not this striker. Yes, I agree. That's a good way yeah. of summing it up, I so, think. So he's a, he's a good Julio. Hmm. Yes, a good Julio. We've, yeah, we've the evolved. Good Julio. <laughs> um, okay, uh, again, we'll perhaps talk about Fuenla a bit later, but Danny Martin made a good double save to thwart them quite early on too after Roberto missed that sort of glorious header. And then Malaga sort of, you know, they sort of dominated the game, I'd say, certainly in the first half. One play I think we've got to talk about in regards to the starting eleven, and not perhaps the surprise of him starting, but where he played, Brandon was very much out on the left. What, what did he think of his performance out there, Alex? I mean, we'll come on to it later as our decisions, but I think he was one of the best players on the pitch. I think he was yep. really impressive. He showed, you know, what's the word? Is it in, in, uh, intuitiveness? I guess yeah. is that a word? Um, yeah. You know, he seemed to be creating chances. He moved about well. His positioning was good. Yeah, I, I think he, overall, I think he had a brilliant performance. Yes, me too. And actually, I thought, certainly in the first half, I noticed him more, but he seemed to have a good uh, link-up play with Javi Jimenez. They seemed to be having something going um, down the left. Chris, uh, I know you like Brandon and, you know, we talked about the hooligan spirit in la- within him last week. What do you think of his performance out on the left for most of this game? Very, very good. He's really... And, and, and I don't know why, because he didn't score a goal for Malaga yet. But there is something about him that is way different than Kaya Quintana. Yes. And I just really can't put my finger on it because both work hard. Yeah. But I think Brennan is so good but has the same lack of goal as Kai Quintana is. I I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a I think as Alex just used the word intuition, I think he's definitely got a better football brain on him because he gets in the right place. Um whether that's to try and shoot, which you know he's still not quite got hang of with his finishing for us yet but he's always there to do something and yeah I think he was brilliant and anyone that listened to the uh, Vamos a la Rosaleda episode I was sitting with um, my Geordie friend and he loved Brandon Thomas and I was like oh yeah you know he is good but uh, he's not a goal scorer and just as I'm speaking his name he's just appeared on my TV screen um, because they're advertising Valladolid against Malaga on goal at the moment anyway um yeah, and obviously that pushed Kevin out to the right. Who, um, what, what do you think of Kevin's performance, you know, in, in the section of we need to talk about Kevin, Alex? Um, I thought, he, you know, it, it wasn't his worst game. I think, you know, he, he, he seemed to be, there were certain times where he was doing some, some nice dribbles. 
balls on the right hand side. I think you know he 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 seemed to be passing the ball fairly well. I wouldn't say he had a standout performance, but I also wouldn't say he he played awfully. Yeah, you think he was effective? If I summed it up, um... there, there is something about Kevin. Yeah, that that Alex doesn't like. Okay, he always wants to bring to, him down. To bring him down, get off the pitch. <laughs> Kevin was brilliant again. Yeah, I thought. And then was. you have Alex and say, "Yeah, well, he was okay. I did a couple of good dribbles, but yeah." I, th- I think he played different it's, how he's it's, played. It's not Benkemasa. Please bring me back Benkemasa. <laughs> or Issa Fomba. You get Issa Fomba on. Yeah. Um, no, I thought he played different. He was a bit more... It's a weird thing to say. He was a bit more of a winger, I thought. He, which I guess he would be going on to his right foot down the wing. But he wasn't cutting inside as much. But I thought he was great. i tell you who does like Kevin a lot, actually. I wrote this down. Um, did you see about Brandon's bromance with Kevin? He um no. he he said um on I think it was Area Malagista he said I love him very much he's like a little brother I thought that was nice oh yeah I saw yeah I saw that and also interestingly speaking of Brandon I was going to mention this a bit later but it seems a good time to mention it now obviously he's quite well travelled Brandon and played for a couple of clubs in Spain and under lots of managers but he said that the coach that's worked him the hardest or pushed him the hardest is Jose Alberto I thought that was quite interesting. Um, just to pick up on, um, I think we've talked about. It. Let's go on to the goal. Pie Burns, great goal, Alex. It was. Uh, it, uh, it, I uh, think the goal obviously was good. You know, good finish. But I think more so than the goal, I think the positioning and his. I think the best word I would use is nous. You know, he yes. he saw that. You know, the first cross came in, got headed away, stayed away. I don't think any of the defenders seemed. To, they seemed to forget about it. He stuck. He stuck out there. I think you know, Hosebed saw him put in a good cross, and you know he got his head on it. I think it was you know fantastic positioning. And actually, if you see, um, there's one replay of him. You're spot on, actually, Alex. You see him like he doesn't sort of go, oh, you know, that's gone. He, you see him get back on side just in time. You see him look and run back. And actually, maybe it's from where I sat in the stadium because I was in the sort of corner where the ball was heading into. And it was from a hell of an angle, it looked like, in um, live. Chris, you were sort of making a bit of a funny noise when I said a great goal. Yeah, because I thought Alex would... Uh, ah, right, I say, see. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought Alex would be Alex again. <laughs> he put a downer on it. But, okay, I'm guessing you didn't think it was a bad goal then. Well, what can I say? It was uh, French cuisine. I was, I was going to say, was he trying a French accent then? French cuisine, magnifique. Magnifique, yeah. Fair blanc, très bien. Yes. And, et, and the celebration, magnifique as well. With et, et, et bon voyage à l'eau. Indeed. C'est ça. Yeah, um, I'll leave that to you, Alex, over in Montreal to translate for me. Uh, so can I, can I suggest uh, a name for this podcast? Well, we usually do that off air, but go on. Yes. Man. Go for it. French cuisine. Okay. We, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. I, but yeah, we can go with that. Um, we, we'll think. We'll think of a, a French pun, maybe. Um, but there's still, these are the sort of meetings. Still a lot of podcasts to go. So let's... Still, yeah, they, they could be a funny joke from somewhere. This, this is the sort of meetings we have after the podcast. We, we, you're, you're looking behind the curtain a bit here. Um, okay, they, they had a great goal. 
one nil up, great celebration, um, a great ball from Hosebed as well, as Alex said. Uh, there was, I, I, I don't think it was a penalty, but there was quite a lot of shouting for a penalty. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've seen a replay back of it. It was for Kevin just for half time. Um, I'm guessing you guys, well, you guys obviously watched on TV. Should we have had a penalty? I'm a Malagi, so I will always say yes. Okay, I'll go to sensible Alex. Should we have had a penalty? You got right. to push in the back, Alex. <laughs> right. Be brutally honest, I can't actually remember the, the okay. penalty opportunity, so I'm going to have to go with what Chris says. Okay, yeah, definitely. And also, well, to be honest with you, I, I, my initial thought, not really, but the the Fondo Sue, as as you'd expect them to, were, were going mad shouting, and they didn't even go to VAR, so... Um, but anyway, we were 1-0 up at half-time. I think this is a good time, actually, to mention those two midfielders, Ramon and Gennaro, especially Ramon, I suppose, because um, he hasn't had much game time this season and did pick up an injury a bit on about the hour mark, so we can maybe talk about that too. What did you make of that midfield too, Alex? I thought generally impressive. I thought Gennaro slightly better. I think, you know, he, he, you know, he did well and... Especially, I think Ramon as well did well, considering he hasn't had much game time. I think, you know, he's not started. I think this is his first start of the season, yeah. I think, if I'm saying. For and, a long time. You know, yeah, and I think he did brilliantly. I know you can't expect him to, you know, come out playing like Scott McTominay on his first start in, in a while. But, you know, I think he did brilliantly. Never, never compare him to Scott McTominay again. He is not a Scott McTominay player. No. <laughs> Um, I don't mind Scott McTominay, by the way. I think of Ramon as a bit more cool and exotic than that, though. But uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. I thought that they both had really good games. And to the extent where I kept, I, I forgot that Ramon is number six now. And I was like, oh, he's that's another great pass from Ramon. Or it's another nice pass. And there was one to, um, I think it was to Brandon, where he curled around the defence. And then I was like, oh, no, that's Gennaro, number 16. He's and Yeah, he was very good, I thought. Um, Chris, any views on those midfield two? They played a good match. They did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it surprised me that we are talking for more than 10 minutes of the uh, of this game and nobody mentioned Josabet yet. Well, I was... Are, so- are, we, are oh. we saving best for last or...? Okay, I'd written this down at the end of my notes. Um, so let, let, let's do it now then, Chris. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to, you know, I'm in the stadium as we've listened to Vamos a la Rosaleda and had a few beers. Um, I didn't really notice him, but the next day, obviously, in prep for this podcast, I tried to read all the local newspapers and see what the, you know, people have said online and match ratings and stuff. And they were all saying, like, how good he was and player ratings. So it, it was just clearly me that missed him here. So good, tell me what I missed then, Chris. What didn't you miss? He was great. He was all over the match. Uh, I think he was the danger man in this in this particular match. He created loads of chances, uh, brilliant passes. He gave one pass, which was I don't know if you saw it, Alex. Matt didn't see it. I would. Have. He was talking about Victoria all the time. <laughs> uh, did you Did you see the pass he gave? I uh, saw it through the middle. The long ball. Yeah, the long ball was right. great. Okay. He also. I think that's the one I thought Gennaro did, and clearly I got the player wrong. That's the one I was just talking about. So that that that's my mistake. But he also gave a pass. I don't know who it was to Brennan. I think yes, which was brilliant. So now you can talk again, man. Okay, no, no, I'm not. I'm 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 actually saying I'm completely wrong here, and I suppose 
I, I don't know, maybe because I was curious about Gennaro and, you know, I like Ramon, maybe I was just had my eye on them a bit more and somehow... And then I was probably thinking, oh, who's who? I probably didn't notice who the player was passing to Brandon and Kevin because I was excited for them just to get the ball. So um, yeah, clearly I've just I've just missed something there, um, <laughs> which which is fine. Um, he was very good, and Malaga were very good. And then perhaps towards the last twenty twenty five minutes, it sort of dropped off again, which I think we've talked about in other home games. Um, again, am I right in saying this, Alex? Was I watching a different game? No, I know what you mean. There were certain occasions going into that. Well, when you say the last 20 minutes, so obviously there was the seven minutes of added time as yes. well. But so I think by the end, naturally, I think, you know, the players were tiring. So, and we played a lot of football, I'd say more than most teams so far this season. We played, I think, 11 minutes in total of added time against Pompadolina, you know, seven minutes in the second half of added time against Fuenlabrada. And I think, you know, it's it's with a young team, it's natural that they're going to, you know, maybe lose concentration and slightly drop off. But there were times towards the end where I was slightly worried that Fuenlabrada were going to come back into it. And they did have that one chance. It was a kind of lob, you know, over, yeah. not over the keeper, but to just to the left of the post. And, yeah. you know, there was that chance. But, yeah, slightly worried towards the end. The, the I, think, <laughs> I think Malaga plays high-pressure football and you cannot... Uh, Played it for 90 minutes. Um, yeah, Van Labrada got a bit closer to the goal, but I don't think they were, they had a great chance. I don't think they were that, that dangerous or something. No, I suppose it was a little bit like the last two home games with Alcocon and Girona, where we had 1-0 leads and they sort of came at us, but not with much, like you said, Alex, apart from that uh, sort of half overhead kick, which sort of bounced just wide. I think, I think that was about it really. Um, I was going to say, what, what, anything else? Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say when you talk about injury time. Um, my friend, Jew, who's a Derby fan, um, he, um, he came to the Malaga game last or two years ago when Lugo's, equalized in the 101st minute and when I saw the clock ticking down and we got into about the 8th or ninth minute of injury time I thought if this happens again he is not coming near Spain let alone La Rosaleda again <laughs> so luckily it didn't um, Did you think the 7 minutes was a bit off? Because I do um, I think at the time I think I remember saying to my mate next to me I think there'll be 6 I can't remember why I said that or what made me think that but there was I think Ramon was down for quite a bit, wasn't he? Can I just check, by the way? I, um, I, I, I meant to look this up before. Do we know much about his injury? I, I heard it was quite a light injury, but I've not checked today. I think so, because I didn't hear anything okay. about it. Because, yeah, you know, I, I guess Escassi would come back in for the next game. But, you know, we'd like Ramon to be in and around that starting 11 again. Um, so hopefully so. Um, well, just a couple of other things to wrap up then. Um what, what did we think of when Labrada's orange shirt? Um, for me, I hated it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it, it looked it looked a bit Huddersfield v Blackpool out there on on Sunday. Uh, Alex, what, what about you? Fans of fan of orange shirts? I mean, I'm not opposed to them, but <laughs> it did kind of feel like the you know they the kit man had rocked up and thought, oh blimey, I forgot the away kit. <laughs> oh, we just used eleven goalkeeper kits. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. 
And yeah, they, I thought I thought they looked all right in in patches. But considering they're a team who we talked about last weekend and lost since first game of the season, I thought they looked pretty ordinary against us, really. But um, there you go. Yeah. Um, just quickly, then I know we perhaps talk about this most weeks. Have we learned anything more about perhaps what we've got to do to like take this home form away? And I suppose. As free, I'm not going to get the answer to this because this is a question probably managers have asked for decades now. But has anyone got any idea how we remedy this um, away form and play like we do at home? I think it, it's difficult to say because I think in general, the teams we've played at home haven't been as good. True. That's a good point. Uh, I think the teams we've played, we've played Sporting, we played Ponferradina. We've played some good quality sides, so I feel like the as more the more the season goes on, I feel like we'll see more of a balance between the home and away form. Yeah, you know, we had a good point actually, Alex. We had a beefer away who are obviously up for it. It was their first home game in professional football. Almeria away, good team. Sporting, good team. Ponferradina, good team. And now we got Real Valladolid, who are also a well off form, but you know, a relegated team who are going to be good. Um, any any anything either of you want to add before we do Chumbo and Biznaga? Um, Chris, do you want to sum up this performance perhaps first? I thought it was a great match again. The only team so far who was better than us uh, was Ponferradina. Yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. And uh, Ibiza probably as well, yeah. but for other reasons. So... I think we're doing good. I agree. I think we're doing good too. And let's let's talk about who did the best for us this week then, but not before saying who played the worst, which I found really difficult this week. So we'll go Chumbo. I've written Chumbo down here, but I definitely mean Chumbo. Uh, Alex, who are you giving your Chumbo to this week? Like you said, man, it's quite a difficult decision, but I think based purely on, I think, I wouldn't lack of involvement sounds harsh, but based purely on sort of maybe not seeing much from him in the game, I'm going to go with Roberto. Okay, I just to like get that out of the way. I picked Roberto too, partly because I couldn't really think of much else, and I thought he should have scored towards the start with that quite close range header. Um, Chris, do you have anyone different? Same as you guys, Roberto. Okay, I didn't think he was really great. To... Okay, I. And I, I think, well, no, I think there's two candidates by the sound of it for Biznaga. So, Alex, who are you going Biznaga? Well, it's a difficult one. I think, obviously, I feel like, you know, I, I don't want to be for the sake of variety, just for the sake of it. But I do think, you know, Josebed was fantastic. I thought Brandon was fantastic. I also thought the defence was fantastic as a whole. I thought Danny Martin did really well, but... I'm actually going to give mine to Javi Jimenez. I think coming in, not played, not started for a few games, he filled Kufre's spot perfectly. And I think he did a fantastic job and deserved the starting spot for the next game. Just one thing quickly before we go to me and Chris's biznagas. Speaking of the defence, and again, I didn't notice this during the game. I read it this morning, actually, somewhere. Um, Apparently, we swapped the centre-backs around. And Juan they played on the right side and Pi Burns played on the left because they figured or oh, Juan Day would be better 
at sort of tracking back and because, um, you know, chasing wingers if Gomez went forward. Um, did either of you notice that? Or, or I, I think I read it in Sue. Yeah, I did. I sort of, I noticed it. I didn't think of any, anything of it, but I noticed it when I was doing the team sheet. Okay. And I thought I could keep the same, but then I looked at the team sheet that was released and there were two swap rounds. So, yeah, no, I did notice that. And, yeah, okay. I guess probably that is for the reason for Victor Gomez, so he can go forward. And I do think Juande has slightly more pace than Baby L. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention it, seeing if it, if it wasn't a lie from the paper. Um, Chris, who's your biznagger? I think I know the answer. Um, I'm still in doubt. Oh, OK. Because... I I want to say Jose Bed. Jose. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Okay. Because I'm going to give it to our French cuisine. Okay. Because <laughs> the goal he made was spectacular. Mm. I think it's the most difficult header you can make or one of the most difficult ones, and I think he did a played a good job, and he played good. Uh, he played a good match, and he's playing good matches for several weeks now. So I think he deserves it. Okay, that's a, yeah, it's a fair choice. I think um, Pua Hosebed here. Apparently, he was our best player, according to everyone apart from me. And I'm he's not he's not got one biznaga here because I'm going to pick Brandon. I thought Brandon was just great. Just thought he was excellent, and I think we've talked about why already. So. We'll leave it there. Um, I just want to give another mention to the, by the way, the other, the other great thing about this day, and I'm very sad I didn't see it in the, the flesh was, uh, have you seen the photo of the dog in the Malaga shirt? Yes. Yes. Big shout out to that dog. I just thought, I just thought I wanted to throw that in there. A, a nice Malaga doggo. Go check out to that somewhere on Twitter. Malaga dog. It's a nice shirt he's got on. Um, yeah. More, more dogs in football shirts, please. But anyway. Yeah. Let, let's move on. Let, let's get and look ahead to our game against Rayo Valladolid. We'll be joined by Alex Fitzpatrick in the next part. So this Friday night, Malaga head to Valladolid, apparently the part of Spain where they speak the clearer Spanish. We couldn't get a local fan to demonstrate this clean speaking this week, so we're going for the next best thing. What do you get when you mix the rugged accent of Northern England with the sunny tones of the Balearic Islands? You get the voice of the Spanish Segunda show, Alex Fitzpatrick. Alex, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you, Matt. I wouldn't say that my Spanish is the cleanest to be honest, but uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. I hope you're all good. Are you all in good spirits? Yeah, we've just talked about a 1-0 win, and after two losses in a row, we yes, we, we enjoyed talking about points again. Um, and we know what points mean, don't we? We definitely do. We definitely do. And hopefully we can talk about points a bit more next week, and you can maybe enlighten us a bit about Valladolid and maybe tell us how we might get some points. But before we do that... You you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast over the last few weeks, and I think twice tonight before you came on. Um, you are the host of the Spanish Segunda show, and I believe we're getting your co-host Liam on next week to talk Zaragoza. But for those new listeners we might have out there, do you want to just introduce the Spanish Segunda show a bit? 
Yeah, sure. We basically we talk about the Holland League. So every week we'll do a match day review. Uh, we're around about thirty minutes as a podcast. We try and stick to thirty minutes. Sometimes we stray up towards thirty-five or so, but we try and keep it nice and snappy. And yeah, we we talk about all of the key issues, any news around the league. Um, we we talk about games, but not only about games, you know, because not everybody would have watched all of the matches or even the highlights. So we just try and keep things also uh, topical as well as talking about incidents. And uh, as I say, covering all 22 teams, you know, we're not going to be like some other podcasts are who cover La Liga, for example, who talk about just one, two, three, four clubs in the league. Which, which podcast um, is that? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like to name and shame, but no, I think every, you know, up in up in La Liga, you know how it is. The the bulk of people want to talk about Barca, Real Madrid, yeah. um, you know, Atleti, and a lot of the other teams. They don't get a light shone on them. And uh, one of the things that Liam and I decided very early on is our show was going to be about all of the teams. And we don't, we can't talk about every single team every single week. You know, it's a thirty odd minute podcast. And there's twenty two teams. But we do talk about all of the teams, you know, across a, a across a two to three week period. We'll we'll have a good chinwag about all of them. I, so. I agree with you on that. But isn't that the problem of Spanish football in general? Because I can't blame an English uh, podcast talking about Spanish football that most they would talk about are Barcelona and Real Madrid because... Um, I don't think it's their fault. I think that's the fault of La Liga in the I first guess, place. I guess, Chris, from my point of view, it depends and from what the you're Spanish in it media. For. It depends what you're in it for. You know, if you if you're in it to get the maximum number of listens and to make the maximum amount of money through Patreon or through advertising or any of those things, and I know that you guys are not in it for that. You're in it for the love of Malaga and for talking about your club. And Liam and I are in it for the love of Segunda and for talking about the league. And we could easily talk about, for example, you know, three or four clubs in Segunda who have a huge English language following and not talk about anybody else. But that's not what we're doing it for. So I, I, I agree. But that's just a, a difference in, in that we don't need to live from it. And those guys do make a living yeah. It'd be nice to do both, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to, to be able to live off it as <laughs> yeah. well. Um, Probably because Kirikos is giving me a lot of work. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it is what it is. I I, I, I think the problem isn't... Uh, I think the problem is going much deeper than than only saying it's not about... it's. Well, you can talk about three or four clubs. You have to talk about them all because I think... The fact that they're giving some attention to Segunda is already more than uh, 99% of the Spanish media does. Well, I think I think I think we could be having this debate all night, but let's try and get on to uh, Valladolid. But yeah, definitely check out the Segunda podcast. The it's a great podcast. Um, especially... I have a question about it. <laughs> Come on, then, Chris. What is that with the fashion every week? What is it with the fashion? Well. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm not the most fashionable man in the world, but um, you know, I can I can critique somebody else's fashion. I just think it's it's nice to take a little look. I find it interesting what what managers yeah. wear on the sidelines. You know, you have your 
Yeah, Ankela at uh, Alcocon, obviously, he's got the sack now, but he was your very traditional 65-year-old, kind of, I'm wearing a shirt and tie, and and that is that. And uh, Kuko Ziganda is the same. Then you've got the new boys, the new kids on the block. You know, you've got Sabi Alonso. Uh, you've got Ruben Alves, who like the trainers. And, the, you know, I think the Ruben Alves' latest one that we talk about on the show is um, a hoodie with a jacket over the top, jeans and trainers, which I do actually quite like. I've never sported it myself. We don't have much need for uh, for jumpers in Mallorca. But, um, yeah, no, it's just a different angle on it, Chris. We love talking about the football, but these kind of angles make it all interesting, don't they? I and, agree, um, it's fun. I, think I, have I, to, I have to stand up a bit for our manager, Jose Alberto, because um, I think his wife took him to Plaza Mayor. That's a big shopping centre in Malaga to pick an outfit for match days, for match days only. Well, he only has one, doesn't he? Well, no, he's good. Yes. He why, why three, would he no? need three. Because he probably has a, a washing machine at home <laughs> and his wife washes his clothes sure. for the match day. Maybe he washes them, Chris. Uh, yeah, it can be as well. Then irons it. He irons his, his, his nice uh, shirt and then he wears them for the match day. And then after the match, he takes them off and, and, and doing the same ritual again. Yeah. I, I don't know if he irons them, though. That white shirt does look a little bit crinkly, if I'm being honest. And, and very. I don't iron. I, well, I have to admit. There you go. There's Is there. it a lucky shirt? Because if it's a lucky shirt, then he needs to start wearing it away from home as well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think the, prob- I think the yeah, problem was when we played in Gihon, it was a bit colder, so we put a jumper on instead. And that's... Yeah, there you go. So, so he needs to wear in Southern Spain away days. Although I think he might have worn in Almeria, actually. I can't remember. Um, oh, but a really, a, gre- a really great show. If you if you didn't have enough with the Giri cost, I always listen to the Spanish Segunda and it's it's really fun. Really good job. Well, I, really, I, thank I, you, Chris. I, I was trying... Can I, I just say on that, I know Matt's really keen to move us on to the actual match. But can I just say on that, and I always say this when yeah. I come on here, listen, if you're a Malaga fan, your number one port of call is the Giricast and your number two port of call, if you're interested, is coming here about our views on Malaga, but also the rest of the league as well. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and just like, again, I was trying to get to Valladolid, but since we're still, we may as well Nobody stay... Nobody cares about Valladolid. <laughs> <laughs> since we're off the beaten track, I may as well stay there for a little bit. Um, and sticking with plugging your podcast, actually, Alex, I suppose, that I did enjoy this week and it'll, it'll appeal to Malaga fans. And we've talked about it already. Um, the sort of bemusement in your both of your voices talking about the Altani Q&A thing. It was, uh, and I particularly liked your bit about... Um, you learning that you're a friend of Altani all of a sudden that made me chuckle. Um, it yeah, it was very bizarre, wasn't it? It was it was incredibly bizarre. We talked about it very briefly on uh, on, on on the Segunda show this week, and uh, yeah, strange. I mean, I don't know what any of you lot like to do on your birthday, but for right. me, it's not that. Yes, I think I think I actually mentioned that earlier and saying it's a bit like me organising a parents' evening of parents. I've angered throughout the school year on my birthday um anyway let, let's go on to Valladolid I think this is the longest we've had a preview for a match without getting to the team so I, I don't really know too much about them as they're one of those teams I've just not watched this season I've always missed them uh, I can look at the league table and I've seen their results and they've not perhaps lived up to expectations but you're our Segunda expert Alex um what's going on at Valladolid is was this expected is this underwhelming you tell us 
Yeah, it's definitely underwhelming. Um, I mean, the dead level on points with Malaga with 11 points from eight. Uh, but as you say, it's about perspective, isn't it? They came down from La Liga. They will have expected to be right up at the top end. And to be fair, I did think that they would be probably not top two, but top six. It's a long old season, plenty of time left to go, of course. Um, but they are seven points off top. And after eight games, that's quite a lot really. A uh, big gap is opening there. But, I mean, just to put some context around it, their pre-season was the most disrupted out of any Segunda side. Uh, there were COVID positives happening left, right and centre. They had to stop training altogether. Players had to train individually or in small groups like back in the lockdown days. So ultimately, they, they, they were, sorry, they were also cancelling games left, right and centre. So, Ultimately, they didn't really have a proper pre-season. So I think you can almost look at these first seven games as being their pre-season. And the other thing that would point towards that is that Pachetta, new manager, has really been experimenting with starting lineups. I think they've used 22 different players already this season in eight games, which is... Quite a lot, really. Um, Alex, can I interrupt yeah. you there with my interesting stat, which I saw Do this it. morning? And it links to what you've said. Uh, Valladolid have used more substitutes, 40, than any team in the league. And Malaga they, have used the least subs in the league with 32. They have the biggest team. On the, <laughs> on the last few hours of the uh, transfer window, they bought, I believe, four or five more players. Do you think... One of the problem is that they have so many players, Alex. Well, they didn't really manage to move anyone or certainly many players on. And there were some players there that I think they probably would have wanted to move on. Some some guys on decent money, not really performing. I mean, my view on Real Valladolid, and if, if Marty um, listens to this, who does a lot of Real Valladolid stuff, big big Real Valladolid <laughs> fan, he knows my views on them, and, and uh, but I do apologise to him for this. For the last couple of years, they have been pretty dull and drab in La Liga, drawing their way to uh, survival a couple of years ago. Lots of 1-1s. You know, you just weren't getting anything out of, any pleasure out of watching a Real Valladolid game. So there was a lot of guys in there on La Liga wages, on decent contracts, pushing towards their 30s, and they couldn't move them out. So that's why they've got a big squad, really. And I think the reason for those late signings is they were waiting to see who they'd get out of the door. And then when they didn't get out of the door, they went. They said, well, we've got to get someone in the door because these guys are just not going to cut the mustard for us. You know, they're not the players that we want to get us back to where we think we belong to be. So it, was, it, it were panic signings they did in the last hour, last two hours of the transfer window? I'm sure there wouldn't have been panic signings because I think sporting directors nowadays, they have a list, it's 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 well-researched and, and basically they start at the top and they work their way down, don't they? So they would have known who had already gone, who was left. I mean, what I would say is perhaps some of the players that were closer to the top of their list might have been picked up by other people. So they might have had to work further down their list, if that makes sense. So I won't necessarily say it's panic buying, but perhaps some of those players weren't necessarily their first choices uh, because of the reasons that we that we just mentioned there. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a strange start to the season for them. Almost a bit of a preseason, really. They actually bizarrely started really well. They had seven points from the first three, and then they went three games without scoring, um, and and they lost all three games. So 
Um, they've kind of felt their way back into a little bit of form of late, but it's um, I've been trying to work out with a number of Segunda teams exactly where they're going to finish. And it's just so difficult. You know, you think a team's kind of, okay, they're down by mid-table now. And yeah, looking at their results, who they've played, they're probably going to be a mid-table side. And then all of a sudden they pop up and win away from home against someone you wouldn't expect. So... It's a funny old league. Yeah, um, and you've sort of, like both Chris and then you've mentioned their big squad there and they've had a good start and a shaky middle. I think they've maybe only, I think I wrote down they've won one of their last five and they think they had a draw um, recently. You've you've watched Malaga quite a bit this season and we'll talk about them a little bit later and your views on them. What sort of, can you see this Malaga team is, are they a team that might get one over on this style of play that Valladolid play? Or do Valladolid even have a style of play? Because the way you're talking there, they sound a little bit wishy-washy to me. I think they've got a fairly clear style of play. Uh, and I think the interesting dynamic is going to be that of late, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously you're the Malaga experts, but of late Malaga have been playing 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. Um, and... 4-4-2 is, is what Real Valladolid have been playing as well. So what's going to be interesting to me is to see whether either manager decides to change the shape because, you know, a 4-4-2 can often lead to a bit of a stalemate, uh, matching up in terms of formation. Um, but Real Valladolid, because of that, with the 4-4-2, what they like to do is get crosses into the box. Um, they've got a lot of quality up front. They've got a lot of quality in the wide areas and a lot of depth in the squad. So if one of those wide players isn't doing it, in comes the next cab off the rank. And um, so, yeah, I, I think you can expect to see them trying to get the ball wide and and, and swing it in, really. Uh, not exclusively, obviously, that would be a quite a David yeah. Moyes archaic <laughs> way of playing football. But, um, yeah, I think you'll see a lot of crosses. Okay. Alex is in Alex Ashmore. Um, Alex said there that we play 4-4-2, which I think is mostly right, uh, you guys might have seen him more clear on TV than me, but were we a little bit more four three three ish on Sunday? It did at times feel yeah. like that. I think obviously we. I know we've. I think one or two games we had the four four. I guess two three one or four three two one. But um, yeah, I think sort of sometimes switches to a four three three. But then also, you know, from what you said there, Alex, about Valladolid the, the liking to use the flanks, I think that's probably one of our biggest weaknesses as I mentioned earlier so that could be that could be a key factor in via the lead if they're going to win the game and and do you think our Alex that we'll perhaps stick with our 4-3-3 now because we we spoke earlier about how good Brandon Thomas looked this past week out on the left instead of playing down the middle do you think this sort of you know an away game Brandon likes getting stuck in there this is the sort of game that might suit, or you know, it might suit us keeping him out there again. Yeah, I think that could work. I think you know he he's shown real good signs. I think he he showed. I don't want to say it's his best position, but he's certainly that was his best game he's played all season, in my opinion. And you know, if if we can utilize that and keep him playing there, then well, I'm all for it. And I think you know he's a he's a player that we that we're going to be using quite a lot this season. So if he's performing to the best of his ability, then yeah, why not? Um, and then... Matt, can can I just say something about what we're talking about, Brandon Thomas? I'm going to talk about him in a minute, but since as you brought him up, um, you said he looks good, and I think he does look good. He's got lovely hair. He's got great tattoos. He obviously works out, but I, I don't think we're talking about football, are we? Yes. Yes. No, we love him. We think he's good. Yes. 
and actually, Seriously. He was excellent on Sunday. Like, really yeah. excellent. I'm, I'm, I, I still think he's got a big, don't, big fat donut in the goals column for the season. Wow. We're eight games in and... Yeah, I mean, that. we'll come to that, I guess, probably in a minute, I think. Well, I was listening to uh, Jamie Carragher on the Football Clichés podcast yesterday and um, he was talking about when Jamie Carragher was a striker uh, when he was a youngster and he said, you'd probably say for me, oh, but you don't see the work he does off the ball and, oh, but he holds it up well. I suppose Brandon is all those sort of clichés of a striker that doesn't score, but no, he's... I, I don't know. I, you know. You know. Sometimes people say, "Oh, once they get one, they'll get a few." I don't think that is the case with Brandon. But I think if we I could... don't think he's he's being contracted to make any no. goals at all. But I think we need because, someone alongside him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that's why Malaga offered him a contract in the first place. I think Brandon is is one of the most important players on the Malaga pitch. To be honest. Okay. Um, I think he, I think he presses. He does. He, he does well with that. I think he's a scorer. Here we go. Here's a cliche for you. Here's a, <laughs> here's a snappy one. He's a scorer of good goals, but he's not a good goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, How's but that? That, I, I don't think that anyone expects him much goals off him, and that's okay. I'm, I think yeah. I, I I don't expect my goalkeeper to save shots either. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't have two goalkeepers, right? Yeah, but you got two centre forwards and neither of them score. So, yeah, because Sheku still needs minutes. Yes, uh, he's still yet to start, and he can't start on Friday against Valladolid because of the clausa de miedo. So um, it's Roberto again this weekend. Um, while we're talking about Malaga, then Alex, let, let's go into the Malaga part because I know. Um, just you can be sort of our first outsider, I suppose, on this podcast that's seen quite a lot of Malaga this season. And perhaps you might see things that our, you know, our blue tinted glasses don't see. So what have you made of watching Malaga this season? And I'll, I'll start with your quote. You quoted us as being, I've forgotten it, was it fearless and toothless? Yeah, fearless and toothless. I, I've not seen anything to suggest that that's changed, to be honest. Uh, you've got to find the back of the net more. It doesn't matter. I, I get what, what Chris was saying earlier about Brandon and uh, let's not go back to Brandon, but it doesn't really matter where the goals come from so long as you score more than the other team. But in terms of longevity of what's happening at the moment for Malaga, you're not going to go through the entire season keeping clean sheets and a centre-half popping up with a header. No. You know, you, you, you're not going to, to reap that. So... Yeah, Fearless and Toothless was was the title of one of our Spanish Segunda <laughs> shows uh, a, a few weeks ago, describing Malaga. And Fearless was a, the compliment, of course, the, the style yeah. of playing. I like the width, you know, of course, I know you've talked loads about Kevin. I've listened to the show and we've talked about Kevin uh, on our show as well. Terrific player. Um, the way that you attack with the width, I think, you know, particularly now, I do actually agree with what you were saying before about Brandon in a wide position, you know, with his pace and with his press and, you know, running in behind and, and running at fullbacks is incredibly dangerous. And that's the fearless side. Um, but I don't see many Malaga goals where I go, that bit of fearless play has led to a goal. But, and that but, that's where, but that's the missing piece of the jigsaw. There's a but. Because our two main strikers had an injury. Chavarria's coming back 
Ensek was just coming back, made his first, what did he play, 30 minutes so far? Yeah, about uh, For Malaga. So yeah. Malaga I mean, is depending on Seku yeah. and on Chavarria. Seku, I'll give you that one. Chavarria is not going to be a goal machine for you. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you've seen enough of him last season. He's got a lot of good attributes. You know, he holds the ball well. He presses. He works hard. He's decent in the air. He's not a goal machine. So he's not going to come in and do anything, in my opinion at least, anything too different from the guys you, that you... I, I don't think different Chavarria, style of player, sorry. But yeah, he's, but I, he's not. I don't think Chavarria will be um, a player that will be is is there for the starting eleven. I think Seku will be the starting starting striker every week. But I think Chavarria would make a good pinch hitter. Mm. When yeah. when the game is going nowhere, you bring Chavarria in as the third striker and he can might open up some gaps for you. Um so yeah, I agree with you totally that Malaga is fearless and toothless, but um, that's because we're missing two strikers mm. and two impo important strikers. There's a lot of eggs in that Seku basket. That's basket. What I was about to and, say. and this is the thing, you know, Chris, you know him better than me. You've seen him play more than me. I will bow to your knowledge on him for sure. But if that doesn't come to fruition, where are the goals coming from from Malaga? And, and you know, I'm not worried to the point of thinking that you're going to get sucked down into a relegation battle. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried from that perspective, but I'm, I'm worried from the perspective of are you going to achieve what you could achieve if you've got a guy who can put the ball in the net? I know, but that's also a bit the thing. Our financial problems are, are very big still. Um, we didn't have much to spend. I think... Manolo Gaspar did everything he could to give Malaga the best team there is on paper. Um, which I need to say as well, in his plans was the place for Ontiveros, who had the agreement with Malaga. Uh, but then he, he wouldn't solve your goal problems either, in my opinion. And again, he's no, a player, then, you, you would have seen a lot more of than me as well. But, uh, you know, he's another one who wouldn't have sold it. I mean... He's, the, he's good for five or six or seven goals, maybe. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in Segunda, yeah, for sure. Which is fine. I mean, for, for me, the big question mark over your season at the moment is central midfield. You know, um, Munoz, obviously a big loss there. Escasi, can he stay on the pitch? Two sendings off already. Um you know, I, I did say on, on the Spanish Segunda show that I, I think Liam had branded him as a bit of a liability. And I said, well, I think that's a little bit harsh, you know. The first sending off that he had in the season was just a ridiculous second yellow card that never was in, in stoppage time of of one of your home games, I, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that tackle, yeah, it wasn't a pretty tackle. I heard you all discussing it last week and... Um, yeah, I know. I know Chris had a bit of a difference of an opinion from the rest of you, but um, I but, think it's a red card. But I think yeah. most referees wouldn't give the red card because it was in the eighth minute. Yeah. So I think Chris, Chris we, we did this last week. In that in football has to change. Referees has to change in that, or it's a red card for everyone, or it's a red card for no one. But I'm done with referees um, because last week when that happened. I watched another match, I don't remember. There was a tackle which was worse 
in the 10th minute and the referee gave yellow. But we, we, could, we could be here all night picking out different fouls there, from different No, but there's no games. interpretation of, of yeah. football rules. Oh, yeah. Um, st- sticking with um, your views on Malaga then, Alex, I, I think you might have already answered this sort of through your answers there. Um, in your early, what do you call it, season preview, you did, and I quote, call Malaga dark or very dark horses. Um that's the important words. <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm getting the impression that it might be a couple more varies added on to that sentence now. No, look, I think we've got a Segunda season this year, which is more like Segunda that we know. The difference between the top and the bottom is going to be, you know, nowhere near what it was last year. I think the top seven, so it was Sporting, wasn't it, that missed out on the playoffs on the final day. The top seven, there was then a gap, I think it was to Pompey next. But then after Pompey you know, it started to be quite a long distance down to the relegations. And I don't think we'll see that this season. We're not going to see two runaway leaders in the same way that we saw Mallorca up there with Espanyol. So, yeah, I think we'll have a much closer season. And that's to your benefit, as yeah. uh, you know, for, for Malaga. So I'm not still ruling you out as very dark horses. The January transfer window is there. Of course, you've got a centre-forward to, to to come in and... and those eggs in that basket might might hatch. Let's hope they do for, for Malaga's sake. Um, so I don't think you're going to be a million miles away. And I, I guess that's the definition of a very dark horse, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're dark, if you're a dark horse, you're kind of on the shoulder a bit where Ponfe were last year. And if you're a very dark horse, I think going into the final five games of the season, if you've still got a chance of getting into the top six. That for me is the definition of a of a very dark horse, and I think you'll be there or thereabouts okay. into the running of the season. Um, maybe then, just to sort of get towards wrapping things up here, you can tell us. Then we'll talk. I'll do a little bit on Segunda. Who I suppose we could just change the question here. Now I remember when you did your preview, there was a lot of caveats of uh, transfer windows and things like that. Um, who's perhaps impressed you this season? Who perhaps you didn't. Inc- expect to impress you and who could be a dark horse now and who has you thought would be up there in those playoff places and have disappointed you so far so who's who's impressed me that I wasn't expecting is Mirandez but they've not impressed me in the sense that I think they're going to go on a run to get in the top six but they've just impressed me in the way that Lolo Escobar's got them playing new coach uh, 10 out of 11 or sorry 9 out of 11 of the, the first Team 11 are new players, loads of young players, loads of youth coming for their first taste of proper professional football. Um, but they are quality to watch. They, they've got some of the best youth from clubs in Spain. Um, Hassan from, from Villarreal, he's a terrific player. They've got a couple of lads on loan from Juventus as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, real good quality players. And they're just fun to watch. They're fun to watch at home. So I, I did have a hashtag always watch Mirandez campaign, which is now a hashtag always watch Mirandez at home campaign, <laughs> because obviously they play differently at home from how they do away. So uh, I've enjoyed them and they've uh, impressed me, but not to the point where they'll get top six. I think the big ones who've impressed me are Ibiza, not unexpectedly. I did say I didn't think they'd be anywhere near relegation, but I have been impressed with how good they have been. They're incredibly incredibly well coached by Carthero, uh, former um, assistant to 2-2-2. Two, 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 uh, his name escapes me, to Coffee, the uh, current VRL um, manager. Emery. Emery. Yes. Unai Emery. <laughs> um, 
And then, of course, Pompey. How can you not be impressed by Pompey? Pompey are in exactly the same situation, pretty much, that Mirandes were. Nine or eight or nine of their starting 11 are, are new players. They kind of bought anything that moved in the summer. And I thought, how's he going to piece all that together? But he did. He, he has. And look at how they're playing. They're intense. They press. They play as a unit. Really difficult side to play against and, and really very impressive for me. Okay, um, and then Alex, as our Alex, you were saying that uh, you, you wanted to ask about what's gone wrong with Huesca. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, it's it's only early days in the season. It's only eight games in, but I, I think I can't I can't remember exactly, but I know when the Segunda show put out the predictions for who's going up, I'm pretty sure I had them going up as my second, if not top of the league. Yeah, Liam also had them. I, I, I'm going to drop a minute here. Liam also had them <laughs> right up there, close to the top. Uh, and, and look, they may still uh, be up there, close to the top. I don't think they will, though. Um, they didn't do a right lot of business, to be honest. They didn't do a lot of business in the summer. I think their wage budget, they're trying to slash massively. So to make that adjustment, adjustment from, uh, from La Liga to Segunda, all the COVID things that have hit everybody... But the coach as well, Ignacio Ambris, it was a gamble. And we said on the preview show, you know, before before the season began, this appointment is a gamble. And I don't think it's a gamble that has not paid off, but it's certainly not a gamble that you go, and oh my goodness, they've got the next, you know, Jose Mourinho or someone like that, you know. He's not, in my eyes, a top, top coach. He was doing really well. I think it was across in Mexico and he's come across and... He's not doing terribly, but he's playing wingers at left back. And some days, it, you know, a daisy, that was our, our title. Some yeah, days they're yeah. great. Two weeks ago um, was our show title. Some days they're great and some days they're not. Um, you play a left back there, you, you gain great attacking things um, from playing a left back, at, at, uh, sorry, a winger at left back. and But you lose a lot as well on the defensive side of the game and you get caught out. So... Yeah, um, work in progress, and I think they'll be kind of there or thereabouts for, for playoffs as well. Well, there you go. I think in half an hour there, we've covered fashion, the pros and cons of Spanish football podcasting via Doid, the Segunda, and why Malaga, or the fact that Malaga still can't score goals. There's quite a lot packed in there, so I'd like to say a big thank you for joining us, Alex, as our uh, brackets via Doid expert, plus many other things, it seems. And no, you're very welcome. Anytime, anytime. And, um, you know, keep up the good work. Really enjoy the show. And um, thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you. And then and, and I will say our goodbyes to the other two as well. So thank you, Alex, over in Montreal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Yes. And thank you to Chris. Thank you. And I have an update. Okay. The Malaga Feminino won 2 0 in their cup match against Seagull there. and are through to the next round. Brilliant. You, you, always, you always have a nice update to finish with, Chris. You find some good news while we're talking at the end. So always a nice way to finish. And then, like we said earlier, that's all of our teams across all our sort of levels doing well this weekend. So great news there. And hopefully the senior team can carry on that good run on Friday night. So thank you to, for listening to this week's Giri Cast. I've been Matt Harrison. Vamos Malaga.